International Podcast Day. Um, today we have Dr. Pat Sanders with us. I'm Selena and we have Tyler with us. Um, Mark is not here today, but that is okay. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, I just wanted to know a little bit about you. So like where you're from, what your education is. Okay, yes. I am actually from the Shoals area. I was born and reared in Tuscumbia, went through the Tuscumbia system and got my degrees, actually my bachelor's and my undergrad from my uh, university where I'm teaching now, which is the University of North Alabama, Roar Lions, um, graduated with double majors in radio, television, film at the time and journalism. And my master's degree, believe it or not, is in counseling non-school based, which means that, you know, if I'd taken that farther, I could have gone on and actually gotten licensure to counsel people. And my PhD is from Regents University in communication. And I teach at my alma mater now, and I've been at UNA for 21 years. I actually went out into the workforce after I got my bachelor's degree. And I worked as a broadcast journalist for almost 20 years before I sort of burned out and decided that I wanted to do something else. And so um, in that field, I was a reporter, I was also uh, an anchor, and I was a news director. So most of my career has centered around audio, and I'm still just uh, in love with it. I think it's one of the best things that we can do to connect with people because it's intimate, right? You know, people formulate whatever they see from the voice or from sound in their own heads. So we see that and call that as theater of the mind. And also, in addition to that, I got a chance to tell stories, and I love, love hearing about different people and their stories and where they came from from. So that's a little bit about me. I am married to the love of my life, um, Lynn Sanders, and we've been married uh, 38 years, and we have two adult children who live away from home, which is terrible, but they're so happy, So, and they're gainfully employed. So that's important. Uh, one lives in California, and one lives in Houston, Texas. That's great. So you said that you were from this area, and you decided to go to UNA. So can you tell us a little bit like why you chose UNA and why you decided to stay in our area? I chose UNA because, you know, it's a good school, but uh, I'm older. So at that time too, with all honesty and transparency, I really wanted to go to school in California at UCLA, University of California in Los Angeles, because I was really interested in doing documentary work. But at the time, um, just from a lack of perhaps uh, counseling for high school students at that time, the time I was in high school, I just never really had that type of guidance. And also my family just couldn't afford it. But if I, I think back now, and if I had had that proper guidance, I was a pretty good student. I mean, I made great grades. I could have gotten a scholarship to help with that. I've worked since I was 15 years old. I could have gotten a job and I could have done that. But UNA also had uh, the program that I actually started off in the College of Business because I was really good at business stuff like accounting and typing. My friends used to always laugh at me and they still do. We have a circle of friends from high school and they were like, we remember you, Patricia, on that um, typewriter and you could type like you know, the cat on the keyboard thing, you know, just, and I'm still a good typist. And so I went into the College of Business because one of my mentors in high school was a business teacher. And she always believed in me and supported me. And uh, I got over there and I was in like computer information systems or something and absolutely totally hated it because I was learning how to do punch code into uh, the punch cards and all that stuff. And I thought, I cannot be in a room by myself. I need to be around people because I love people and their stories, right? And our journalism program was just starting. So I was part of that inaugural group. And I got into communications and never looked back, loved it, fit right in with it. So that's how I stayed at UNA. And I got a good education here. I really did. We actually have um, some students that just recently graduated from our communications program in broadcast journalism, and they already have jobs on news stations, like 
I do think our program does pretty well. <laughs> oh, it does extremely school. well. Yeah, yeah, we've got students um, not only uh, in at regional stations, but we've got them everywhere. So, yeah, I think we have a good program. We pride ourselves in that, and uh, you know, a few of us in there have some applied experience, which I think is great when you are able to connect the two of having the theoretical base, but then the practical or application base. It's really good. It's a good program. So, like you mentioned before, you know, uh, podcasts are becoming really popular and stuff, and it's really intimate and things because we identify with sound and whatnot. So, like, what made you want to start a pod, like your own podcast? What made you want to start your own podcast? Well, you know, Tyler, that's a good question. Um, when podcasting first came heavily on the scene, in probably about 2005, 2006, I'm saying heavily, it was really just rising at that time. And again, being in audio, at this time I was in education and I was teaching, but I've always uh, maintained that love for audio, for radio even, um, and just that intimacy that it brings to the table. It's as if people are talking just to you, right? So um, I started uh, learning about it, I started teaching my students about it, and I fell in love with it because it's an, it gives you the ability to be a content creator and to have um, control over what you put out. And so I thought, I need to start a podcast. But the thing about a podcast is you have to have a target audience. You have to have a focus. And I was really, really busy at the time because I was on a lot of committees. I was doing service. Uh, I was also doing scholarship and just could not find the time for me to actually do some production work. So, um, I, but I never lost sight of it. Even when podcasting began to wane a little bit, and then a couple of years ago, it just kicked back off, and now it's just amazingly successful. It's, I think, one of the third revolutions, probably, or fourth revolution in communications. And so I, I always have been interested in women and empowering them, and also making sure their voices are heard, and in particular, black women, because I'm a black woman, but also women of color, because sometimes we are marginalized or disenfranchised. We're part of a minority group, right? So I found my audience and my target, and I was like, it's now or never. So actually, I made it a part of my creative scholarship. Instead of writing papers and articles, I asked if I could do some creative work. And the dean's office was like, yeah, sure, that's wonderful. I gave them a proposal, described what I was going to be doing, and they were like, go for it. So that's what I did. Well, okay, you, and you answered my next question as well. I was going to ask, like, why do you think podcasts are becoming so popular? Um, because they are very intimate, and it's uh, the creator has a lot of control over the product that they send out. So, um, yeah, so you basically answered my next question. That's That's pretty cool. Yeah, and you know, it also gives you a variety of topics. That's the diverseness of podcasts. I bet if you Google anything, gold, jewelry, earrings, makeup application, or, you know, fashion, pop culture, history, teaching, education, whatever, you, you could come up with the most benign or the more, most far-fetched fetch type of <laughs> subject, and I guarantee you there's a podcast on it. Well, over 250,000, I think, right now. Some of them go dark, go out of business. People just sort of get tired of it but a number of them are very successful. And so I think, I think it's a good thing. You're definitely right about any topic because it can be from like politics, to like ASMR to like children's toys reviews. Like yeah. there's such a variety. Mm -hmm. I met two women at a podcast, uh, pod, uh, pod X, um, a podcast uh, Potthon, and they did it on history, but a modern take on it, and they're called the History Chicks. Um, I, I met some women there who were doing it on reading and certain types of books, and they were now trying to focus on women of color who were writing books. So, uh, and you know what? True crime is so hot right now in podcasting. It's creepy, but people love it and eat it up. I mean, and the people who do those episodes are so, they're storytellers. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. And it, it takes work to do that. But yeah, it's really hot right now. Well, can you tell us about like your first experience with a podcast and making your own and starting that up? 
Well, as I said, I've worked with audio probably, well, all of my life, but the podcast, I just started it in June. And so, yeah, I was supposed to kick it off in spring of uh, this semester, of the spring semester of 2020. And of course, we know 2020 is trash because of COVID. <laughs> you know, we need a remix. But I started the podcast in June. And and this June. This, this June. June. During COVID. It, oh, yeah. Wow. And a pandemic can't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to kick it off in like uh, April or May, but because all of my classes had to be converted, of course, you all know this to online, that just took up a lot of time and focus and my students needed my attention. So I still worked on it though, like on weekends or after hours and just set it in my mind. Your kickoff date is going to be, I think it was June 15th or 16th wrote it on my calendar, never lost sight of that, and just started working on the production part of it. And I kicked it off uh, June 15th or 16th. And in less than three months, I had well over 1,100 unique downloads. So apparently somebody wanted this topic. Congratulations, that's actually amazing. I had no idea that this was so new, especially yeah. if you guys haven't listened to her podcast, the quality is impeccable. I mean, obviously, since she's been working with audio her whole life, it's <laughs> got to be great. But I mean, the topics, the organization, uh, even the layout on their website of how these podcasts are laid out and on Spotify, I mean, it's on all these platforms. So definitely check out her podcast if you haven't. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, I use a, a distribution platform that allows me to do that, to be able to get it on as many platforms as possible. And that's what I teach my students. I actually have been teaching my students about podcasting, but they created their own this past spring. So um, that was uh, really neat for them. And I think they were excited about being able to do that because a lot of times people think that you just need a mic and a computer and you just talk. But there is a formula to having a successful podcast. and. Um, but a lot of them hit it and they did it. And that's what I was proud of. You need to share some of our, your tips with us because our podcast is still new as well. And uh, we would love any information or resources that you have. <laughs> you have to take the class, COM441 Creative Audio. <laughs> I'm teaching it in the spring, actually. You hear that, <laughs> listeners? If you want to learn how to make your own podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how would you say that the internet has changed traditional news sources and the role of journalists uh, modernly, like in 2020? I think that um, the internet has given us the ability to go around the gatekeepers, which were the big three networks. Also, it, that drilled down to even local news of companies and newspapers and broadcast in print, whatever uh, the platform was, it was a one-way communication. You know, they told us, and I was part of that, but I was in radio, which was sort of a two-way, but basically the gatekeepers, they let you in and they let you out. But most of it was information that they were putting out, right? And you could not respond, you could not share your voice or your opinions or even provide any information. The internet has given us that ability to have citizens with boots on the ground, ground to be able to provide information as well. Now, I also think it has presented a problem, but that started with what we call cable news. With the creation of cable news and the networks, we now have news 24 seven, uh, 365 days out of the year, which created a problem with content. I mean, you know, we had a lot of repetitive content, but with the invention of the internet and the proliferation of it, we've had the ability to put news out there very quickly. And also the problem is though, sometimes when citizens put it out there, it may not necessarily be true accurate or what we really what really happened but the internet has been an equalizer of sorts right you know anybody can write anybody can talk anybody can start a podcast they can start a youtube channel they can start their own magazines they can start their own news shops quote unquote and i think the internet has given that ability but i also think that the internet is a good thing in that some marginalized voices can now be heard yeah because if people got a cell phone 
that's a mini computer, right? So they have the ability to put information out there, to gather it, and also to put it out there. So, social media is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of like getting, you know, voices that are usually not heard out there, tell us a little bit more about like what your podcast is about and um, why that was the topic that you chose. My podcast is This Prof Life, Women of Color in Higher Education. And the target group that I like to interview and talk to are women, uh, African-American women, but anyone, I guess, who you would say is non-white or does not classify themselves as, categorize themselves as white. And the reason that I started that podcast is because I've been in education now for 21 years, over two decades, and I started as a young academic who came from the world of business, which is totally different from uh, academia. And I found that oftentimes, um, how do I say this? The mentorship or the guidance is not always readily there for us. And so I saw this as a way to help correct some of that, women talking about their experiences, but also telling them about their successes and about their journeys and about their families, which humanizes us, right? And also giving them the ability to encourage others, whether you're black, white, yellow, red, or whatever. Women of color have a story to tell and no one was telling those stories. And so I did a lot of research and I was like, okay, this is your thing. And I love diversity, equity, and inclusion. Anything that has to do with that, I love people. I have a very diverse group of friends and I love talking about equality and equity amongst groups. And I think it's such an important topic. And these women have been able to share their stories. You all have heard some of them. And a lot of people think that it's a, I'm gonna tell you about what's going on with the black woman type of podcast. And that's not it at all. It's just about the women's journeys, their experiences and their successes and their challenges. It's about all of the above. I had a white guy friend that I've known for years. We're very good friends. And he said, I listened to your podcast. And I was like, great. He said, man, I'm telling you, it's so good. And I said, great. And he said, you know, I thought it was going to be one of those, I gotcha, I'm going to get your podcast. And he said, it was not like that at all. He said, I learned so much. And that's what it's about. It's about just telling the stories and experiences of women of color in the academy, which is a totally different animal from the business world. Wow, so that's really inspirational because you basically, in your journey, you went through things that were like kind of exclusive to you, but you know, you knew that other people were going through this as well. And then you took what you loved, which was audio, and then you made it into a podcast for other people to also uh, enjoy. And I think that's really inspirational. Yeah, it's a teaching tool, but it's also informative, and it's also one of inspiration, I hope, and encouragement for any woman. Because, you know, challenges are not just unique to women of color. Everyone in life, men, women, uh, non-binary, we all have challenges. This was just the group that I decided that I wanted to talk to and talk about. So, yeah, I just took all the things that I love, the diversity, equity, and inclusion, women's voices and audio and put them together and published it. So, so sorry. <laughs> um, so I was just wondering, uh, what is like some advice that you would have for women of color that are pursuing a higher education? Who are pursuing or in it? Um, working in it? Or? Yeah, working in it. And also, like, what do you do after? Or what about, uh, what are the steps? You said there, there are women, there's not enough mentorship. in. Um, so for, like, women who are working in the academy, like myself, or, you know, this podcast focuses on entry-level, mid-career, and senior career-level women. And what I would say to entry-level women who are entering the academy as a woman of color, and this would be someone who's perhaps fresh out of grad school, just got the doctorate, and they're ready to go. 
I would tell them, first of all, learn the lay of the land where you are. How does that machine operate? Who's in charge? Who's the person whose eye you may want to catch? Or whose eye do you want to become a part of your journey at that institution? That is so, so very important and vital. It's critical that when women or anyone enters the academy, that they learn the nuances of it. Because again, it's different from the business world. Sometimes academia can be highly competitive. It used to be, it's changing somewhat now, but not at most institutions, it's still this way. You have a lot of competition amongst the academics themselves. What that means is, in order to get promoted, you may come in like I did as an instructor. I did not have my PhD, I had a master's when I first came in gave me the ability to be an instructor, but me, knowing me, and I like to go as far as I can in whatever career or job I'm in, I started learning about the levels that you go through. You go from instructor, well now below that is lecturer, senior lecturer, instructor, assistant professor, associate, and then full. Well, me coming out of the business world, you were given raises and promotions based on merit and work. It's the same in the academy, but it's different. Colleagues have to look at your portfolio or your dossier to see if you've been doing these three things. That's teaching, research, and service. And so no one ever just told me those things. I had to learn them along the way. And I eventually did get a couple of older mentors, both of them were African-American, one was a man, one was a woman, and they had been in it a while. And they were like, this is where we need to get you. And I knew even before I went to the university because I worked at a junior college uh, for um, a community college for a couple of semesters. And I knew before I even entered the university four-year system that I was gonna have to have a doctorate at some point if I wanted to be competitive. And so I started talking to people about that. And the president at the time was very encouraging and was like, yeah, we're going to help you get whatever you need. And so I would advise them to get a mentor, which is a person who helps you in your day to day to make sure you're being informed, to make sure that you're on the right trajectory, that you're going to move up through the ranks. The full professor, which is what I am now, um, is as high as you can go on the faculty or the teaching side. Now, an administrative side, you can be a director, you can be an assistant vice president, you can be an associate vice president, or you can be a VP, or you can be the president. A lot of people don't know those steps, and they don't know what it takes to get there. What do you need in that portfolio? What do you need in that dossier to show that you're doing the right research that's in your area? Uh, are you presenting at conferences? What types of conferences? Are you being published in journals? What are the tier levels of those journals? So that's important to know. And another thing is, people don't talk about this publicly in academia, but there are what's called sponsors as well. And what these sponsors do is they, um, they sort of take an interest in you. And this is not something that people talk about, but it happens in any uh, university setting. They take an interest in what your where you are and where you want to be, and they sort of help you get there, if that makes sense. That's great news. Um, so what do these sponsors do for you to help you get where you need to be? Well, if you're looking at a sponsor, again, um, you know, you will not hear anybody at the university say, I'm a sponsor because you're supposed to be unbiased, right? And just base people's promotions or whatever on whatever is in that Vita, that portfolio, that dossier, which is a huge, if I were to get this thing off my bookshelf, it's about this thick for each promotion that I got. And that involved my service, my uh, teaching and my uh, scholarship. So you're not gonna find anyone go, I'm gonna be your sponsor. They will say, I will mentor you. And then it's according to where they are in positions of power. You know, do you get someone who, if you want to be a full professor, you get someone who can help you get there. They'll keep you on the right track of this is the research you need to be doing. These are the conferences you need to be presenting at. If you want to be an administrator, go talk to someone and go, can I shadow you? Can you mentor me? 
And if that person takes a sincere interest in you, they're going to say yes, and we'll get you to where you need to be. It may not be at that university, but somewhere. That's really good to hear. Um, I wanted to ask this question, and this might be a mistake on my part, but I wanted to ask this question uh, on like a general perspective. Um, as a woman who wants to do anything, you know, just liberate herself, what kind of advice would you have, Dr. Pat Sanders, that for a woman to like, how, how women can help each other out to get to higher levels of anything, even if it be yeah. academia or anything, just anything. I think that women need to learn to be confident. They also need to learn how to toot their own horns. Um, a lot of times we are taught as children to be humble, to not be self-effacing, not braggadocious, right? You don't brag about yourself. Well, men have done it forever that's how they operate, right? I think there is a way for men and women to do that. And that's in an humble way, but also let people know what you're doing. Make sure they know that you're in the room. Uh, have your voice heard in the room. A lot of times, and I've had this experience before, where you're in a meeting and someone may ask a question, someone may answer it, but that person may not acknowledge that that person just gave the answer, right? And somebody else says it, or they'll point to somebody else and they'll say, well, you know, Pat just answered that. So we have to be careful of that and not let, um, I would say, uh, your response and reaction be that of an expectation. Like sometimes with Black women, there's a stereotype that we're angry and that we're going to just yell at everybody and we're going to snap our necks and do all of this stuff. That's not true. We're very intellectual. Um, we are very calm. There is a time for like any human being to be upset, right? But you learn how to navigate that. Learn strategies that don't allow yourself to even show that you're upset. Just remain confident, remain cool, make sure you learn and that I, I even teach my students this. If you're going to debate anyone or have a conversation or a dialogue, make sure you research whatever it is you're going to be talking about. So that it's not just opinion. You have facts and you have a strategy for whatever you plan to do. That's so important for women. Have a strategy, be confident, know who you are and own who you are. There is no reason for any of us to sit back and go, well, you know, I have to make myself small and I have to be, you know, women apologize a lot, asking people to do things. I need you to do this. I'm sorry, but can you do this for me? I'm sorry, but could you take care of this? I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but could you, and this is even from CEOs, the flip side of that are women who don't admire or support other women who are in powerful positions. We have to learn how to shore them up and to support them and to be their ally. Now, you know, we know there are mean people on all sides of the spectrum, right? But those who are kind and they're very democratic types of leaders and women who are involved, support them. Support them, you know, and help protect them. We, uh, we actually just had this conversation with a coworker out there. But uh, we noticed that women, when they subconsciously order from a menu at a restaurant, they'll say, can I get? And men tend to say, I'll take a, and uh, the one's like a command and the other one's like, may I, can I, yes. I'm asking permission. permission to order your food. <laughs> yeah. And that it's you like, want. you're paying money for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, you can have it <laughs> unless they're out of it. But right. I mean, what is your advice to help become more competent and also like the power of like standing your ground saying no that's a good one, uh, Selena, the ability and developing the ability to use that tiny word of no. Um, it took me a while to do that because I was always a giving person. I also always wanted to be involved with people. I'm a helper. I'm a giver. And I am a protector. 
And I found myself sometimes even being in that quote unquote savior role, you know, whatever you need, I'm here, I come to save the day. And then you find yourself sometimes overwhelmed or overworked and you're exhausted. So you learn to say no strategically. Now, some people have to be in, are oftentimes, and especially in academia, where they don't have the opportunity to say no, because that's what's going to help you get promoted. But uh, to help you find yourself be confident, there are going to be incidents, I think, in your life that happens that will strengthen you. You will go one of two ways. You will either stand and fight or you will take flight. And I think that we have to learn how to stay in the fight learn how to know who you are by going through difficult circumstances. You may not win every single time, but don't beat yourself up about it and just talk to yourself and go, well, that didn't go well today. Or yeah, that went really well. Or if you see something that's not happening in your favor and you know you're right about it, just go back, reset, re-strategize and go back in. Um, and I also have learned too over the years that don't, you know, it's cliche, don't, don't sweat the small stuff. And most of it is small stuff. Learn to pick and choose your battles wisely. Not everything is a go to the mat thing, but if it is something that's highly important to you, you learn how to go to the mat with it. But I always tell people to remain professional no matter what. You know, there's no need to go into a room and curse at people, yell at people, degrade people. I've been working since I was 15 years old, and I've worked a long time. And there's not a person in my background, in my professional career, that will be able to tell you that Pat Sanders ever went into a room and lost control. You just learn how to, you know, sometimes uh, you sit back and you may take it. And, but that will come an opportunity where you will be able to tell people exactly how you feel. But again, just keep it in control. And especially as a black woman, I have one friend who said, I used to cry or I would, you know, I would just shake because I was so upset and people were, would look at that and go, see, you're angry. Of course you have a reason to be angry, but now she says the lower and softer my voice goes when I'm upset instead of the opposite but it has the same power and effect. Um, I'm actually a theater major and that is something that we've studied for like mm -hmm. human behavior. Mm -hmm. um, something is actually so much more powerful when you say it instead of screaming at someone, telling it to someone. And you know, it's, this, it's the same concept. Message. It's yeah. the same message. Mm -hmm. But one is like, in the heat of a moment, I'm getting angry and all my tension is right here. We really talk, all my tension's right here, I'm angry. And then there's like, I'm angry. <laughs> and you know I'm upset and you know why I'm upset. And you're gonna figure out how to make this go away. Yeah. And that's so much scarier in my opinion. Yeah, your face got pretty scary right there, didn't it, Tyler? But she was like, oh, and it was like, it's almost like you know what time it is and i feel like that is a that is also something that like it's a, a man's thing uh where they say like oh i don't get over emotional but i demand what i want like that kind of thing mm, mm. and you hear that a lot and yeah it's just that same same message and it's about being professional and i think that's the big difference is like of course people get mad of, of course they're gonna get like heated and stuff we have emotions we're all human but there's a time and place. And when you say like you learn to control that, everyone can control it. It's about being professional. It's about um, learning how to respect yourself in that way. No one needs to see you get that upset and that affected by something they did. They know what they did. They're well, sometimes people too are trying to steal your energy and you're giving it to them in that moment. Now you may go home and go in your backyard and throw some eggs against a tree or do whatever, but a lot of times you just don't let people know that they've got your power because if they learn how to push those buttons and they learn what those buttons are, they're gonna ping every time. So, and I'm not saying you won't get upset and you may have a moment where, you know, some people may lose control, but most people, don't really respect that they may fear it or be disgusted by it which means that it impacts how they feel about you 
I would like to interject something. I'm not sure how much time that we have, but I do think that you guys touched on something that's really important. Um, it's something that I wasn't aware of, but it's like the whole aspect of having control and being professional, but then you get to a point where you lose it. Cause I know that in your podcast, you uh, talked about this before about with the judge uh, that you knew. And then the uh, person asked the other person about mm-hmm. somebody that you knew that you were still in contact with. Um, and like for my mother struggles with, you this really problem. did listen. But yes, it was, it was awesome. But, um, <laughs> it's like when you have those moments where you just like, when you, everything's boiled up and you need to, like you said, reset, or do you have any insight? Cause I know there's a lot of people out there that's probably going through this that just, they don't know how to like what to reset. do. Yeah. But yeah. How would you, what kind of insight could you give us about that? You know, I remember that day distinctly and, you know, it wasn't my first rodeo. So I think I've just learned just to internalize it. And sometimes I chalk it up to ignorance. Sometimes it's intentional, you know, or sometimes people may not even realize what they just did. So sometimes too, we have to allow people to be human But if they keep repeating that same thing, that's when you have to strategize and go, how do I correct this? Because the person never did it again. And maybe it's because the gentleman said, you know, she just said that. Oh. And sometimes, um, you know, they may be doing it unaware. But if it's a pattern, that's when you have to deal with it. If it's a one-time incident or something like that. You know, um, you have to learn how to just internalize it, rethink, reset, and go, now, how do I handle this? Um, You know, I've been reading a lot about vulnerability and empathy and leadership. And most people will understand if people have weak moments because we're all human and you allow them that. But if it's repetitive, that's when you have to decide whether or not you're going to have a conversation with that person. You know, you just have to have a sit down and talk and you still cannot just get out of control. I'm telling you that as a black woman and having lived a long time and operated in a majority white world, you have, you just learn how to do it. I think, um, especially like in situations like that, where, you know, you may have said something and someone else like steals what you just said, said it louder or something like that. Um, I talk a lot, but I've definitely been in situations where I've been talked over and I'm trying to get someone's attention and I feel completely like disregarded and invalidated at that point. And it frustrates you. I think that's a situation where you have to handle it like a marathon. You can't expect something that has been so ingrained in our society at this point to change like that, just cause you, you see the problem, but it, it's ingrained. So you have to make them aware. And then as time goes by, things will start changing. And then soon it'll be where you do command respect in a room. People aren't talking over, people are listening. But if you just focus on like, Oh, they're never listening to me, that kind of thing, you're just going to get super frustrated and you have to remember the ignorance, it's just, they're being ignorant at that point, in my opinion. And so you can't say, oh, it's personal, it's against me. It's more so they don't know any better, we'll work on it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so one of the last things we wanna do here is, well, I, maybe I should let you explain this, Dr. Sanders. Um, about the three rapid questions. Could you give us what you do on your podcast? Cause I don't want to just talk over you, but the three, we wanted to ask you three questions, but we all wanted to participate. Um, and it's usually a rapid. So it's not something you have to think about, you it's know, impromptu. <laughs> impromptu, very impromptu. Um, yeah. Can I ask what the inspiration behind that was? I think that's really interesting. I think you just find out some little nuggets about people when you ask them questions like that. And they may not always be those three, but it will always be three. You know what I'm saying? Just to find out something that perhaps you may have missed too in the interview, right? Um, you'd ask a lot of questions. I tend to not write down all of my questions. I try to just be really organic. And, you know, having interviewed people all of my life too, I tend to try to establish and uh, really 
hone, uh, hone in on listening and if they say something that you need to follow up on. So um, uh, the three just, they're just tidbits and they're a nice way to end the show, but also to get those little nuggets that we may not know otherwise. So there was no huge strategy behind it. There was no, you know, behind it. It's just. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Before I ask these questions, I just want to say thank you to both of you and to like all women everywhere, because honestly, you guys are just, you put up with so much. And I just want to say like on behalf, and there's a lot going on like in the media right now with about, uh, you know, men and women relationships. So I just want to say, like, thank you for being strong and beautiful and amazing, both of you and all the women who are listening right now. Like, just thank you guys on behalf of all men, if I could speak on behalf of all men. But anyway, uh, the well, first thank question. You, thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. That's sweet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question, rapid question, is your favorite thing is, uh, Dr. Sanders, could you go first? My favorite thing to do is spend time with my family. I love it. I lo- I'm, a, I'm a family person. I love my husband to the moon and back. Oh, I love that man. But, and also my children, I just love spending time with them. And it doesn't matter what we're doing. I, that's one of my love languages, though, is the quality time. That's my love language. That's my number one. That's my number one. <laughs> have you okay? If you guys have not read that book, that is. That you got to read the love languages, Tyler. Yeah, you have before to. you're in a relationship. I own two copies, and I read it with my boyfriend when we first started dating. It is an amazing book. Um, and we're currently on Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus now. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> But the five love languages, because your your face is saying, what are you all talking about? It is <laughs> Dr. Gary Chapman, who's a minister, but also like a psychologist or something, um, wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And each person has a love language, a primary one. You may have two or three, but it's uh, quality time, service, gifts. Help me out here, Selena. Um, um, it is... Acts of service, gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, and touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, touch is big with me, too. COVID is killing me because I can't hug people. Oh, uh, I really like words of affirmation as well. That's why the whole taking it personal thing, when things, it hurts me. Because yeah. that is one of my love languages. Like, oh, See, those are my top three. And so what he says is, if you, love, you learn the love language of your partner... Um, you will learn how to show them love the way in which they perceive it and receive it and not from your perception. You know, say for instance, if my husband's is acts of service, if that was his love language, if he's washing my car and, you know, cleaning the table after supper and he's driving me everywhere, he's doing things, he's servicing me and I'm still acting wonky and he's like, but woman, I'm doing all this stuff for you. I'm washing your car. I'm driving you everywhere. You know, I'm cleaning up the supper table and you're still just not happy. Well, it's because you are not spending quality time with me or you're not touching me. You see what I'm saying? He's not feeling my love tank. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, uh, feeling love tank's love empty. Tank. Yeah. yeah. And the best thing that you can do is ask, well, how is your love tank today? So you can see how that other person is doing. I do definitely recommend that book. It's so good. My mom told me about it. I mean, it's been around and it has Forever. been accurate. It's been sold. Like, I don't know how many countries now and how many languages. Oh yeah. How many There's versions? One, yeah, how many versions of it? There's a one minute one too, I think, where you can really assess. And there's a there's an online test that you can take to see what your love language is. And if you're dating someone or married, I don't know which one, but uh, they can take it too. And you exchange and that way you will know what he or she needs. And then everyone experiences all five love languages, but you learn like how they prioritize or how they uh, affect the person in order. So like my last one is receiving gifts. Like I couldn't care less about gifts. 
We are on the same I, wavelength. <laughs> I see my husband, he jewelries me up, you know, with stuff and I take it, you know, and I love it, but he knows that that quality time, like he's out yes. of town right now and I'm just really missing him already, you know, when I woke up and he was gone because he had to leave at like two, three in the morning. So yeah, it's that quality time. I've been thinking all day, well, we won't get to sit and watch a movie or have dinner. So yeah, my tank's a little empty right now. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be getting that book. You said it was by Dr. Gary Chapman. Yep. I have two copies, so if you want to borrow one of mine, you can. Dad, I need that. Yeah. Just use, just use your sanitation wipes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I'll PDF it to you. <laughs> Maybe I won't. That's illegal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, our, uh, well, I guess... Tyler should answer that question or I can answer that question. Um, favorite <laughs> thing to do is. You go first, Selena. Um, okay, so mine's not as sweet <laughs> <laughs> as like family. Um, I do love spending time with the family, obviously. My love language is quality time. But my favorite thing, like of all things in this whole world, something I could not live without has to be music. I have to have music. I love creating it. I love listening to it. I love discovering new music. It is just my favorite thing. That's what about you, Tyler? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Uh, I was stalling so that I could think of a better, think of nope, 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 nope. Rapid fire, Taylor, rapid fire, rapid fire. Your favorite thing to do is? My favorite thing to do is? He's still stalling, Selena. Laugh. But every time you laugh, you turn your mic off. He's laughing. Turn just, your mic on. So they I just hear you laugh. <laughs> Let us hear that beautiful laugh, Tyler. See, that's part of the storytelling of audio. What if someone's listening to this? They can't see you, but they could hear you laugh. You got to remember that. That's true. I'm learning so much from you guys. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Take that class, guys. Or, well, Mark and I, too. <laughs> He's still laughing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Second question. I believe in. And could you please do the honors, Dr. Sanders? I believe in. I believe in, and this has to do with God, but love and kindness to all people. I do. I believe in God, which encompasses all of that. Um, that's really funny because that is my same answer. Is I believe in God, um, and I believe that there is like a plan and that things happen for a reason. I think we all enter each other's lives for a reason. Are you a Virgo? I'm a Taurus. Uh, but my best match is in Virgo. It sure is. Not to be cliche here, but I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to be number three. I also believe in God. Um, okay. I definitely agree with Selena, and I agree with you, Dr. Sanders. Uh, not to not to uh, stall or anything, but you know, I agree. I concur. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then the third and final rapid fire question is: success is blank. Success to me is being the best person or you that you were created to be. That, you know, that, that, that involves everything about you, you know, your relationships, your job, uh, everything, if you're the best you. And um, just to add this little nugget, I think I said it on one of my podcasts. I bought a mug several years ago. And I mean, when I say years ago, this has probably been like 30 years ago. And it, it, the acronym on it, and I still have it, it's burgundy with gold lettering on it with a, a acronym of success. And it's servant under careful, constant, eternal, spiritual supervision. A pretty good definition. Um, unfortunately, we're starting to run out of time, but 
really quickly, let's rapid fire answer. Um, success to me is happiness. And I think that is in all relationships um, and what you do. If you're not happy, I don't think that's successful. You might have all the money in the world, but I believe in happiness. What about you, Tyler? Uh, success is health, wealth, love, and happiness. All of those things. And then, okay, so it's time to sign off. I have had a lovely time on this episode with you. And <laughs> thank you too. so much for joining us. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, plug any of your social media if you want to say anything that you can follow, talk about your podcast, um, A Prof Life. So... Okay. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. And if anyone wants to find me, it's uh, the simplest way to do that is drpatsanders.com, my website. It has the podcast on there, This Prof Life, Women of Color in Higher Education. It has photographs of the women that I've interviewed on the podcast. Also, I've begun a blog. Uh, today, I will write something every Friday. I try to write a, an entry. I am also uh, a writer, a speaker, and an educator, in addition to being a podcaster. So, you know, I do a lot of inspirational uh, talk and um, and hosting, and also um, I like to speak to people about good communication. So I would love for people to go to Apple Podcast and subscribe and rate and review and share the podcast. Like you said, Selena, I'm on Google uh, Play. I am on Spotify. I'm on Deezer. I'm on Amazon Music now. Also SoundCloud. So wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, I would appreciate anyone going to do that. And anyone have anyone they think would make an interesting guest on the podcast, you can also reach out to me on that um, website, drpatsanders.com. And it has all of my socials there for Facebook, for Instagram, and for Twitter and LinkedIn. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much again. We are going to go ahead and sign off. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, and you can email us if you have any questions or concerns. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Tyler. And congratulations to our winners of the Soda Pop swag for International Podcast Day. Thank you so much. All right. Goodbye, guys. Bye. Hey, guys. Make sure to check out all of our social medias. Feel free to send us your feedback at arts at una.edu or through the DMs of any of our social media. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you in the future. This podcast has been brought to you by UNA School of the Arts. Executive producer is Mark Gallegos, co-produced by Selena Fugate and Tyler Hankins. Special thanks to Dr. Terrence Brown and the entire SOTA staff.